This morning we are starting a new series called Stewardship. And it, and it really ties in well to the last series we were doing, which, which was about choosing life and uh, making good choices and decisions and reaping what we sow. And stewardship uh, is going to play right into that. So it's sort of a continuation of the series we were on, but with a little bit different focus. So we're going to begin that this morning. So if, hey, you're, you're here on a good week, week one, we're getting started off. So you're, you're getting started with us on week one. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 16. That's where we're going to start this morning. First of all, what is a steward? Well, if the, the definition you'll find online is a person who manages another person's property or financial affairs. So basically somebody who takes care of somebody else's stuff. But if you're like me, I like to know where did the word come from? What, you know, what, is it, what was the original idea behind it? Because it gives you some insight to how this word was originally applied. So the original word comes from the Latin and... Uh, stu meaning house and ward meaning warden or manager. So house manager or house warden was the idea. Someone who was in charge of the, the house. Someone who oversaw maybe all of the uh, expensive and valuable things in the home, the upkeep of the home, maybe the, the property, property manager, someone who oversaw maybe the other uh, servants or workers in the home, etc. So that's literally what the word steward means. And in Scripture, we get this idea constantly that this is how we are supposed to see ourselves. We are supposed to see ourselves as stewards. Now, let's not just skip over this real quick, because I'm going to tell you, many Christians and many people on this earth, this is not how they see what they're doing. Not at all. This is not how they see their life. They, they do not see their life as someone who is working for God, and everything I own is actually not mine. That's not how they... That's not how they see their life. This is how they see their life. I have my life. I have my stuff. And God is going to ask of some of that every now and then. And so I'll give him a little bit, a little bit of money, a little bit of time, a little bit of my giftings. How many of that's vastly different? If you, had, if you hired someone to oversee your property, a property manager for you, and then you came in one day and you said, Hey, uh, could you go get me a little bit of this, that, or the other? And they're like, Well, let me, let me think about it. You know, I'm going to have to pray about it. Let me, let me see. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, this, I've been taking care of this stuff, and it's, it's, you know, I've been working hard on it, and it's mine. And I, well, Hold on, it's not yours. I, it's my stuff. I just hired you to oversee it. That's how a lot of people go through life. And this is a big shift when you come into Christianity. Part of when you come into Christianity is understanding that actually you don't own anything and that everything is God's. I don't hear anybody getting excited this morning about that, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. I think by the end of it, you'll, you'll be happy about it. But how many of you can see that this will be a major problem one day if we stand before God and we've been acting like everything is our stuff? And then we're asked to give an account for what we did with God's stuff. I mean, I don't... If that's what's going to happen, and we're going to see from Scripture, if that's what it's going to happen where we stand before God and have to give an account for what we did with our time, our money, our giftings, our callings. You know, every now and then you'll, you'll see something on TV and you see somebody, some beautiful voice, they're just ringing out. 
and they got all the fame, all the power, and everybody loves them, everybody wants their autograph, and they got millions, millions, millions coming in, and they're just using that gift for themselves. I can't help but think sometimes when I see that and go, man, that gift was given to them for the kingdom, and they're using it for something totally different. They're using it to build their own kingdom, and guess what? There's going to be a day where they give an account for that. But that's the same with every person. When you come into the kingdom of God, this is a switch that happens. And you've got your, your flesh, the selfish, sinful side of you that's holding on to everything like, like you own it. And as you begin to become a Christian and you come into the kingdom, you begin to find out that there's like a little death that has to occur over and over again as you realize and give up stuff and go, this isn't mine. No, actually my life is not my own. My stuff is not my own. My gifting, my calling, my time, my energy is not my own. And you might think, well, you know, you go to spend a little money here or there, and you think, well, does God really care about how I, how I spend that money? Let me tell you what God cares about. God cares about you being submitted to Him. That's what He cares about. It's not about, oh, can I go spend this money on that? It's that when I speak, are you going to listen? And if I tell you no... Or I tell you instead to be generous or you don't even get an explanation. You just know, you know, I really don't feel like I should do that. Are you going to listen and be submitted to him because you understand it's not really my stuff? Now, it may sound like we're going to be talking a lot about finances, but actually this covers every area of our life. Certainly it includes finances, but that's, that's only one part of it. Let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. I think this is probably the clearest explanation of this in Scripture. And it's going to give us a mindset that we need to carry through this whole series. Luke 16, 10. This is how God's looking at it. He says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Now, what you're going to find out as we go through this series, and if you were to continue, like let's say you read this whole passage, chapter 16 and on, what you would find out is he's saying this is, God is saying this is how I determine the, whether a person gets promoted in my kingdom or not. Th this is how I determine whether they can become overseer of more things that are precious to me, which goes way beyond money. Okay? This is how I determine whether or not I can use them in my kingdom or not, and it's by this principle, if they are faithful in a little, they can be trusted with more. And if they are dishonest in a very little, well, that tells me everything I need to know. I can't trust them with more because if they've been dishonest with little, they'll be dishonest with much. But again, this is not the way human nature sees itself. Human nature sees itself, well, well if I had a lot of money, I'd be generous. It doesn't work like that. Well, if I had a lot of money, I'd be generous. Listen, if you're not generous with whatever you have right now, you'll do the exact same way when you get more. And that's what this scripture tells us. If, like, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I, the first vehicle I got <clears throat> was an old Jeep Comanche truck. And it, I had to put oil in it just as often as I did gas because it burned, <laughs> it burned oil just as much as it did that. And, and it had a lot of other problems too. <clears throat> but it was passed down to me after my dad had it, then my brother had it, then now I had it, and it had been ragged to pieces at that point. But it was transportation, and it got me around. <clears throat> and my dad insisted that, you know, we keep it clean, and 
wash it and vacuum it and all that. And in my mind, I'm like, well, it's a piece of junk. I mean, that's, and plus, it's a four-wheel drive, so it's okay. But his point that he made is in line with Scripture was, well, if you don't take care of this, then why would I get you anything better than that? Because you're going to treat it the same way. And my mindset was, no, I get something brand new. It's going to be, I'm going to take care of that. No, you're practicing now what you're going to do. And actually, how you treat these smaller things is what qualifies you for greater things. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He says, this is the standard. This is how I view things. He says, if a person is faithful in very little, I can know, that tells me right there, I can trust him with much. Okay, I can trust him with more. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Now here's what he's saying here. When he says unrighteous wealth, he's talking about the money and the system of the world. And now what he's saying is, there's something far greater than money, something far greater than unrighteous wealth of this world. And I'm talking about true riches, the things that are actually very valuable to God. People, influence, those types of things. Things that can make an eternal difference. And here's what he says. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. And if you're not faithful with money, okay, just unrighteous wealth... Why would I ever entrust you with the true riches and the things that are truly close and valuable to the heart of God? And if you've not, and this is uh, another big part of stewardship, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Man, there's so many revelations in here about how God sees stuff. In other words, he says, when you've been asked to oversee and watch somebody else's stuff, he said, I'm paying attention how you treat somebody else's stuff to determine whether or not I'm ever going to give you your own. In other words, when you're on the job and, and, you, you know, it's, and everybody's using a piece of equipment somewhere and you're treating it like trash and everybody else is doing this, well, yeah, but you're, that's somebody else's stuff and you're supposed to be treating it how you would if it were your own. And, and everybody else is disqualifying themselves, by the way, for, for, for greater responsibility and influence from God. But you, you're supposed to be the one as a Christian that goes, no, I'm going to handle this as if it were my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act as if I was the boss and paying everybody's time card. How would I want my employees to act? And what God says is if you're faithful in that which is another's, or actually he says if you're not faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? But the converse is true too. When you are faithful with that which is another's, then he's going to make sure that you get your own. And that's how he oversees it. So this is kind of the basis of the series, and we're, going, we're using this word stewardship, which literally means house manager, and it reminds me of the story of Joseph, because this is what Joseph ended up doing in the book of Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. Let's go there. We're going to put it on the screen for you, Genesis 39, 2. It says the Lord, for, if you don't know about this story, because we just don't have time to get into all of it, but Joseph was, he was a son of Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob, uh, Joseph was hated by his brothers. He was betrayed. He was sold into slavery as a young man. And so he just got dealt a really bad, really bad hand. And we pick up there in, in chapter 39, verse 2. He's now working for a man in Egypt. 
And he, you know, he has every reason to be feeling sorry for himself. He has every reason to be blaming others. You know, if anybody could have blamed somebody else for the situation he was in, it would have been Joseph. So Joseph is, is in the house of a man named Potiphar. And I want you to notice his character. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Wait a minute, he's a slave at this point. But the Bible says he was a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house, okay, and manager. Made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made Joseph overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. If any of you own businesses in here or you're a manager that oversees other employees, how many of you would like to have an employee like this? <laughs> I mean, that's hard to find, and that's all I hear all the time. I mean, I talk to business owners, people around all the time. Oh, it's hard to find good help. Hard to find good help, man. Nobody, you know, it's hard, isn't it, to find somebody like this. Well, all I can say is be that, okay, be that yourself so that and I believe that there's a harvest that comes in on that but this is the type of uh, this is the type of character that Joseph had how many of you know it have been so easy for Joseph just to do enough just to get by enough to stay under the radar not get noticed you know just when the when when the overseers paying attention you know do the work you need to do and then just kind of slack off a little bit you know I was I was talking to a business owner in our church that was telling me you know, there was some work not getting done somewhere, and they went and checked in, and the guy they just hired, he was sleeping somewhere off in a corner, taking a nap. Back in the back of the warehouse, just taking a nap. Oh, my goodness. But that kind of stuff happens. But for Joseph, his attitude and his character was that even though he was a slave, I, his mindset was, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. So it's not just for man, it's also for God. God is watching. Oh, well, no one else is going to know, no one else is going to see. Yeah, but God sees, and God knows. And when you have the right mindset, you understand He's actually the one that brings promotion in your life. You may think, oh, well, I got... And that shows our mindset. You know, if the boss is around, and, and we act a certain way, and then when they're not, we act a different way, it shows that we really think man is the one who brings promotion in our life. But actually, it's not. It's God. And people will stay frustrated. They'll stay in the same position, not advancing, not moving forward, because they've not qualified before God. And this is the principle of the kingdom. Again, I know everybody doesn't see it this way, but this is how Christians should see it. All right, so Joseph found favor with Potiphar, and he made him the overseer of his house. He put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time he made him overseer, everything was blessed, the Bible says. And he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. How many of you know Joseph was sowing some good seeds? Now, he didn't get a harvest on it immediately. You're going to see he had some major problems after this. But that harvest eventually comes home. And Joseph, the whole story, Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in all of Egypt 
right under Pharaoh because of this character and this faithfulness that he had. Now the word the Bible uses here for overseer, the, the English word is translated overseer, but the Hebrew word means to list or number. So when the, the idea that it's giving is almost someone who is like an account manager, someone that is keeping track of everything, listing, numbering, keeping track of everything. And man, if you have just your own property to take care of, if you're a homeowner, that can be a challenge, right? Just to, just to keep track of all the tools and the lawnmower and what needs to be maintenance and what's breaking down. Oh, now the dishwasher. Oh, now the, the washing machine and then the air conditioner. And, it is, and then, oh, now, now the cars need maintenance. And it, it's a lot to list and keep track and be a good steward just over your own property. And that's what Joseph was doing. He was listing, he was keeping track all of the things in the home, all of the other servants. He was keeping track of it in a way that when Potiphar walked around, it was like, man, everything is accounted for. Nothing's missing. Nothing's out of place. I'm not opening a closet and stuff's falling down and going, what, what's this? Who, how, how's he not overseeing that? Why is he not taking care of that? And if you're a business owner, again, you know this stuff happens, right? You think somebody's over an area, you think somebody's taking care of something, you trust that it's being taken care of, then you go take a little closer look and you start to find stuff. This hadn't been taken care of. This hadn't been done right. This hadn't been cleaned. This procedure hadn't been followed. That is a very unpleasant experience. So again, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not doing that. And, and I understand we've had those experiences with people but we've got to make sure that our character is the opposite of that and that we're like Joseph, that we, have, uh, we can be trusted to be an overseer, to keep track, to, to list, to number, to keep an accounting as the Bible talks about. And this really, in a sense, becomes the key difference between a good manager and a bad manager. This idea of listing and keeping track. Right, someone who can manage a lot of different things at once and it all be excellent. That, that's hard to do. And as I said, if you have your own property and things you own, you understand that that can be a challenge just, just to do that for the stuff you have. But that becomes the difference of a good manager and a bad manager is someone that is willing to put in the time to be organized and keep track and manage well so that nothing is slipping through the cracks, all right, that quality's not going down, that you know, things aren't breaking down, things are being taken care of, and that can be... A challenge, but what many people that have been given this responsibility do, because it can be hard, they only oversee the things that other people are going to see like that. But then the things in the background that may not uh, be as important, or maybe nobody's going to notice for a while, those kind of get hidden. And if you've ever taken over a job for somebody that was hired to do that, and then you take over their job, and you find out all the stuff that wasn't being done. See, that's not who we want to be. We don't want to be like that. And again, remember, God is watching. God is watching. So after this experience, even though Joseph is the most trusted person in all of Potiphar's house, he has another bad experience happen to him. Even though he's got favor and all these things are happening, there comes this instance with Potiphar's wife where she begins to make advances toward Joseph. And they're in the home a lot alone together, jo and Potiphar's wife begins to make advances toward Joseph. He resists. He says, no, you know, I'm not doing that. 
Um, and because of it, he ends up getting thrown in prison. So not fair. But it ends up happening to him. But look even in prison what happens. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made succeed. So he did it in Potiphar's house, but even when he lost that position, again, unfairly treated, didn't deserve to go to prison. But even in prison, he had the right attitude and the right character. And he said, you know what, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to be in prison, he said, I'm still going to do it with all of my heart. I'm going to do it the best way possible because this is who I am. And sometimes when you're being a good manager and a good steward, that becomes the only motivation. This is who I want to be. I want to be this type of person for God. I don't want to be like these other people that, that slough off when nobody's uh, watching or they don't take care of other people's stuff. I'm doing it for God and this is my character. This is how I want to be whether I'm at the top, whether I'm at the bottom, whether people are watching, whether or not. This is going to be my character. And you'll see people like that, that even when they're doing a job, that they're just doing for themselves at home and nobody else is maybe ever going to see it. They just do it a certain way. And I've been with people and I'm like, man, you're wasting so much time. You don't, it don't have to be that good. Nobody's ever going to see it. No, yeah, but, they, but I'll know. But I'll know. And I want it to be like this because that's who I am. And I'm not saying that, you know, the, that's the only thing that determines whether you're a good steward or not. But these things play into it. So Joseph's character was the same whether he was in Potiphar's house, whether he was in the prison. And again, God was watching, so it ends up paying off for him. Now, what makes a successful steward? What makes a successful steward? We're going to talk about a few different things, and, and we're only going to get to one this morning, I think. But the first one is mindset. Okay, having the correct mindset. And this is going to seem really foundational, but... If you are going to be a good steward, then the very first mindset you must have is it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. And being a steward for God, this can be a challenge because, right, you, you earned your money. You, you bought your house. You've used your gifts and you've used your talents. But there has to be this underlying mindset and belief, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And this is going to be the biggest challenge for us as stewards with our own life, our own money, our own time, our own energy, our own giftings, is beginning with this mindset, it doesn't belong to me. A lot of people, when they go to make a big purchase in their life, they don't even consult God. They don't even consult God. Well, that shows you don't have this mindset. See, this mindset is it doesn't belong to me. So I don't get to just go do whatever I want to do without consulting God first. And we've got ourselves into a lot of trouble because of that too. Because God has our best interest in mind. And He knows the future. He knows things coming up that we don't know about. And we've made some, probably many of us have made some really bad purchases. Maybe some really bad business deals. Some, really th some things that we regret because we never involve God in it at all. And I think some of the reasons we don't involve God is because we're we afraid He might say no. 
I'd rather just do it and ask for forgiveness later. Well, this mindset, if you're going to be a good steward in the kingdom of God, you're going to be used by God, you're going to work for Him and be a good steward, this is the very first mindset you have to have with everything in your life is, it doesn't belong to me. And also, let me point this out to you, that whether or not that is your mindset doesn't change the fact that it's true. And it doesn't change the fact that it's how God sees it. And again, this is the problem that people are going to have on the day of judgment. Is they didn't see it like that, but it's how God saw it. And on that day, it's not going to matter how you saw it. It's going to matter how He sees it. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10. We're going to go through these real quick, but just several verses that show you how God sees it. Psalm 50, 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, says God. The cattle on a thousand hills... Mine. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all its fullness is mine. This is how God sees it. He doesn't look and see your truck, your home, your land. Oh, I own, you know, this many acres out here. No, God said, no, I own it. I'm letting you use it. That's how he sees it. Haggai 2.6 for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations come in and I will fill this house with glory. He's talking about the temple. Says the Lord of hosts, because the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. He says, I own it all. I put it there in the ground before y'all were ever walking this place. I know you got a shovel and dug some of it out, but I put it there. And it's mine, and I don't mind you using it, but make sure you understand I own it. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I mean, that pretty much covers everything, right? The earth and everything in it, I own it, <laughs> he says. I mean, all you have to think about is the reason you're breathing right now is because you're connected to him. Okay? Your heart has been beating for all these years, these little electrical signals, never been charged, right? Never plugged into a wall, never, never recharged, never filled up with gas, but it's just beating, little electrical signal just going, you know, day after day, second after second. We owe it all to Him. And I know we live this life like we just go on day and day and we think it's us, but you don't we don't, if we don't have this mindset, we're not doing it correctly because the right mindset is... Yeah, I may have worked hard, but who gave me the mind? Who gave me the work ethic? Who gave me the breath? Who gave me the energy? Who gave me the blood supply to do that? I owe it all to Him. Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Job 41, 11, Who has first given to me? that I should repay him. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, says the Lord. And I love that, that mindset, he, and he's kind of talking strong to Job because Job had a little attitude, needed a little attitude adjustment. But he says, look, let me make you understand something. I don't owe anyone anything because I don't owe my existence to anyone. No one gave me life. No one gave me breath. No one created me. I don't owe anyone anything. But you, on the other hand, you are created, and everything you have is dependent on another. Every breath you take, every heartbeat you experience is owed to the Creator, which makes 
blasphemy, rejection of God, all of that even worse. Well, we're not going to get into that. But for believers, this ought to be the constant mindset. Every breath I take, every heartbeat I have is because of God. I owe Him my life. I owe Him everything. Everything I have is His. And by the way, there's no one on this earth, there's no one in existence that could be more fair and more just. Anyone that gives anything for, for God is repaid in spades over and over. You can't ever outgive God. And this is the mindset of God. Again, not just talking about finances. We're talking about everything in our life. But he says, like with tithes and offerings in Malachi, he says, look, give, give the tithe and watch what I do. Watch what I do. If I will not pour open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't even have room enough to receive. So nobody gives to God and gets shorted. That's where that saying comes from when they say you'll never outgive God. Because every time you go to give to God, he just gives back double what you gave and more. But see, our hearts are stingy, and our hearts lack faith, and our hearts are rebellious. And so sometimes we don't believe that, and we can't walk in that, and we don't yield to that. We're like kids that, you know, if you, it, and it's funny when you have young kids, and there's like a, a, a piece of pie, you know, or you, or you make some cookies, and they're out on the table, and they're all like so focused, like who's going to get what, and I got to make sure, I, I got to make sure it's even now, you know. And if we're going to split something, they're like, really look, because I don't want to get shorted. And you're standing there going, I got five more in the cabinet. I could just make more. Or I could go down to the store and just sell them out, buy the whole thing and come back and, and, and fill the house with cookies and pies if I needed to. But y'all are acting like this is all there is. You know we do that with God too. God's like, I want you to be generous with this. And we're like, hold, hold, hold on a minute. I got to make sure. I don't know now. I don't know if I can do that. And he's just going, I got storehouses in heaven I could dump on you if you would just act right. And you would just believe. So Job 41.11, I love this. He says, who's first given to me that I should repay? I don't owe anybody anything. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I'm in, I'm in control of it all. I, have, I can get it to you if you'll just obey and believe me. Isaiah 42.5. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Praise God. So we owe everything to Him. And everything that we have good in our life actually belongs to Him. So if you're going to be a good steward in the kingdom of God, this is the first mindset. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. If, if you ever feel in your spirit, your heart tugged to give financially, to help someone, to go out of your way, to sacrifice for God, sacrifice for the church, sacrifice for a family, you know, you feel that in your heart, it's going to come down to this mindset. Do I belong it? Does it belong to me or does it belong to God? Because again, if it belongs to God and he comes and says, hey, withdraw a little bit of that for me. I need that for something. A steward goes, yes, sir. But somebody who thinks it belongs to them go, hold on a minute now. Hold on a minute. I'm going to need a few scriptures on that first. I'm going to need you to confirm that multiple times first, you know, that God wants me to do that because I had other plans for this. Well, that's not a steward. That's an owner. That's an owner. See, I, I, I've offended a few people before talking about it because I, I was joking and I thought everybody thought this way, but I found out that's not true. But I was making a joke about why I was in Alexandria. Uh, and I found out everybody doesn't feel this way, but that's fine. Look, I, I love Alexandria. I grew up in Alexandria, but I'm not in Alexandria because I love Alexandria. 
That, that's not why I'm here. I've been to some other places that if it were up to me, I'd have drove down some stakes there. You know, I've been to some other places, some, some places with nicer weather, less mosquitoes, uh, maybe a little bit better landscaping. You know, I've been some places. This was not my first choice, but guess what? I don't own my life. I'm telling you why I'm in Alexandria. I am in Alexandria because this is where God called me and asked me to be. And I'll be here, I'll spend my whole life gladly in a place that wasn't my first choice, gladly in service to Him because my life is not my own. And, I, and then again, people act like their life is their own. Well, you know, you talk to people, oh yeah, we're moving somewhere, oh yeah, got a better job offer. That may be what God called you to do. But I'm not going somewhere else because I got a better job offer or because, because there's a call of God on my life and I'm not in charge of my life. God is. And you might think, well, yeah, but you're the pastor, you know, and, and that's, listen, that's every person. There, there's nobody in this room that, doesn't have a, uh, that God doesn't have a plan for their life of what he put them here for and what he wants them to do. So your life is not your own and you might be right in the middle of that plan. But all I'm saying is this. Before you decide to go and spend all the money or uproot your family and move halfway across the country and, and just pretend and act like your life is your own, how many of you know it might be a good idea to stop and ask the one that actually owns it and go, God, what do you want me to do? Because I'm not living for myself. I died to that a long time ago. When I became a Christian, I gave that up. Now I'm living my life for you. And any time you tell me there's a change, there's something that needs to be laid down, there's, I'm ready. Because my life is not my own. Not saying it wouldn't be hard. Not saying it wouldn't be a sacrifice. But I'm ready to do it. And I'm going to tell you that the more you have that mindset in your life, the more God can use you. The more God can use you. God doesn't need great talent. He doesn't need great intelligence. That's not what He needs. He doesn't need great gifting. He needs people that have that mindset to go, I'm yielded. I'm, I'm yielded to you. I'll do whatever you need me to do, whatever you want me to do. Because it doesn't matter how smart you are, how gifted you are, or how wealthy you are, if you think you're in control of your life, and every time God needs something, you say no. I mean, that's not useful. God's not going to override your will. We've already talked about that. God's not going to make you do it. So He needs people that are yielded and understand what we're talking about this morning. Let me say this. This goes the other way, too. This doesn't just go for um, sacrificing for God. It, it goes maybe even when you want to be generous and give. This same mindset applies. As an example, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use myself first in the church. As, as a church, we have people that there's all kinds of needs is what I'm saying. There's all kinds of needs that come up. People need money for this. There's this missionary. There's these people knocking at the door. There's this person got an issue, this problem going on. And, and so a lot of financial requests are made, well, the same principle goes, I may say, oh, I want to give to that or I want to help to that. But the same principle goes, uh, even when you want to do something, you still got to stop and ask God. Because a steward doesn't just go, oh, I think this will be a good idea. A steward goes, what do you want to do with this, Lord? What do you want to give towards? What do you want to be part of? What do you want to partner with? And some of you may even have people in your family that are, you know, Always needing money, always needing finances, always needing help. Even in that situation, that is not automatic that you're just supposed to do that because you're not in charge. And you might, you're, you might should ask God, how involved do I need to be in this situation? Am I supposed to help with that? 
Am I supposed to give financially? Am I supposed to go out of my way for them? That needs to happen too. So stewardship is not just giving all the time. It's being yielded and being submitted to God who is the owner. And sometimes the, sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no. And this really became, this really came down to the issue with Potiphar's wife, to Joseph, was this mindset, she doesn't belong to me. And, and this is what we were talking about with stewards. In Genesis 39.7, we, we, it says, After a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me, but he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house. Uh, than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So he's got two things in mind. The first thing he says, this has been held back from me. You don't belong to me, number one, so it would be wrong by him. But number two, it would be wrong by God, and I'm not in charge of my life. The number one way to become disqualified as a steward is to act like you own the stuff. Number one way to become disqualified as a steward is when you are acting and making decisions as if you're the owner when actually you're, you're just the steward. If you've ever seen people get too comfortable with someone else's stuff because they've been in that position for a long time and they have a lot of influence and a lot of power and they're comfortable and they get a little too comfortable and then all of a sudden there comes an accounting, it's not pretty. And a lot of times people lose jobs and they lose influence because of this. You know, when I first got in the ministry, um, you know, we, we pastor the church now, but we started in the ministry really when I was just a teenager. And so we've been doing ministry for over 20 years, going on 25 years this year. Because of, um, you know, just like I said, we started so young when we were teenagers, when we were just teenagers. But one of the things, um, this was one of the lessons that I had to learn early on was that I was just taking care of someone else's stuff. Because when you, when you have a call on your life to be in ministry and that's where you're headed, you know, you have a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas about how things should be done. But I had to learn very early on, I'd be working at places, working at churches. You know, and I would go, man, this is how we ought to be doing this. This is what we need to be doing. Man, we should be handling this this way and doing this. And I had to learn very, very, very early on, you're just a steward of somebody else's ministry. This is not your ministry. This is not your calling. Right now, that may come later, but right now, you're not, you're not here to implement your calling or start your ministry. You're here to help someone else fulfill their ministry. And that's a big difference. And actually that really released me and relieved me in a lot of ways because I realized I don't own this. This is not mine. I'm just here to help you do what you want to do. And so it made it easy when they would say, well, we want to do that. We want to do this and we want you to do this. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, that's a bad idea. That's not the way to do this. But it made it real easy because they go, you know what? This isn't my ministry. And my, my job here is not to fulfill what I want. My job's here to fulfill what you want. And so if this is how you want it done, I'll do it really well, the best that I can, the way that you want it done, even if I think it's wrong. Because this isn't my ministry, and I'm here to steward what, what you want. 
And so we had to walk that out for a long time. And I don't think, I truly don't think that God would have ever asked us to start this church had we not passed those tests early in the beginning. Because I think that starting this church was something that we had to qualify for. Just like in everyone's life, that has to happen. There are things that you have to qualify for. Amen. So, what kinds of things are we stewards over? Well, in short, everything. I mean, everything in our life, really, we're stewarding. But let's go through just a few things. Number one, finances. As we already said, God sees it as all the silver, all the gold is His. It's not, it's not yours. Now, you can act like it's yours. You can act like it's yours, and that's your choice, that's your prerogative to do that. But you'll answer to God for that. Okay, families, marriages, children. See, I, pl I apply this there too. For example, my wife. Well, my wife, first of all, before she is my wife, she's a daughter of God, number one. Before she's my wife, she's a creation of Almighty God. So when I treat her a certain way, I'm not treating her as my wife. I'm first treating her as God's daughter and as His creation and someone that He has a plan and call for her life. So I'm not, I'm not allowed, I don't get to just treat her however I want. Oh, well, not because I want to have a good marriage and oh, she might get mad and go off and leave me. No, not that, because I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. And I'm going to give an account and I'm going to answer for how I treat her. And this goes with my children too. Oh, I brought them into this world. No, you did not. I'd love to see you try to bring human life into this world without God's help. You didn't bring them into this world. God breathed life into their soul and into their spirit and into that body. And when their time on this earth ends, their spirit will be going back to be with Him. Before they are your children, they are God's children. And so how you handle them, how you treat them, and what... What you do with them, the decisions you make that affect them, you're accountable to God for that because they are, first of all, His kids before they are your kids. So yeah, our families, our marriages, our children, that we're all accountable to God for that. What about our jobs and our career? I mean, are you free to just go do whatever you want to do in this life? Are you free to just go work wherever you want to work, live wherever you want to live? That's how a lot of people live. I mean, even many Christians, that's how they live. They go do whatever they want to do. I'm doing this, a better paying job. I quit that, do that, live here. Oh, that doesn't work out. We moved to this city. All I'm saying, look, if, if you're doing all that and it's been prayerfully considered and you've got permission from God, hey, thumbs up. But I know from experience, that's not how a lot of people are doing it. They're not doing it like that. They don't even, they haven't maybe even understood that they needed to ask permission from God. They just did it what they wanted to do. And what I'm saying is, we have to change our mindset and realize it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. By the way, you're always going to be much happier right in the middle of the will of God anyway. And you're always going to be more blessed right in the middle of the will of God anyway. You know how many people hate their job in America? Just like hate their job, detest going to work, hate what they do. I look at Joseph, I'm thinking Joseph was a slave, he was in prison, but yet he was right in the middle of the will of God and somehow he was happy, blessed, and had favor. Do you know that it would be better 
to be a slave or be in prison, but in the middle of the will of God, than be rich and wealthy and an owner and out of the will of God. And I mean, you can look across our nation and find people all the time. They are blessed, look like financially, up one side and down the other, got everything going for them, and they are miserable. Miserable. Many of those that are famous, wealthy, they got everything that, you know, the average person thinks that they would want, they would trade, they would trade everything to live in the life of somebody that has peace and joy and contentment right in the middle of the will of God. So, your jobs and your career, are you a steward over that? Yes, you're a steward over that. What about your gifts and callings? Every person in this room, the Bible teaches this, every person in this room has received a gift and a calling from God that the Bible says is irrevocable. Irrevocable. And you're supposed to use those gifts and, king, uh, those gifts and callings to build the kingdom of God. And you go, well, I don't, you know, I don't, it doesn't seem like I have any great gift or calling. I can't sing or, or preach or that's how people think about church well this isn't about church this is about what you do on this planet and God put you here with a gift and a calling and I'm going to tell you that you're going to be happiest and most fulfilled when you're in the middle of that calling and using that gift that God's given you here's another thing we don't think about that we have to steward and that is mercy grace forgiveness in other people's lives Steward meaning, when I say steward, what I mean is have to give an account for. Have to give an account for how we showed mercy, how we showed grace. And we see this throughout Scripture a lot where he says the same measure that you use to sow grace and mercy into other people's lives is the same way it's going to come back to you. Why? Because you're accountable to me. And I'm going to hold you accountable for this. So we could go through a bunch of different things that we're accountable for, but in short, it's, it's everything. It's our time. It, it's, it's how we spend our time, how we spend our days, how we spend our leisure time. All of this we're going to give an account for. Does it mean you can't relax and enjoy yourself? No, not at all. Not at all. Just do it in a way that you'd be proud of. Be, just do it in a way that you'd be proud to give an answer to God for. I don't believe God has one problem with us resting, taking time off, vacationing, doing it. He's got no problem with that. I think what he has a problem for is if we just live for self 24-7. And like our whole existence is just to bring pleasure to ourselves. But that's not our calling. Our calling is to serve God. And remember this, last scripture we're going to read this morning. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. We'll probably end up reading this several times throughout this series. Luke 12, 48. It says, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand all the more. He's talking about a principle that if you've been blessed, if you've come from a good family, if you've been in a good church, if you were born in America, all these things are things, he says, that you've been given much, much will be required. In other words, there's going to be more mercy on somebody that didn't come from a good family and didn't know anything and was poor as dirt and maybe grew up in some other country and they didn't have the gospel presented to them or maybe didn't even have access to a Bible. He said, that's, that's going to be handled totally different. But I look at everybody in this room and I feel like we fall into this group right here. To whom much has been given, much will be required. In other words, there will be a very strong accounting 
for, for what we've done with what we've been given. And that's a, that's a somber thought, but it's a thought that should drive us to make good decisions and to live our life a certain way. Amen.